Welcome to I Am The Night. This is episode 76, and this week we're looking at season 2, episode 17 of Batman the Animated Series, Lock Up. Adam, Lock Up. Uh, okay, I generally do whenever we leave the house, it's just good security. But um, <laughs> sometimes, as we've learned in this episode, and a belief I personally keep about like vague yet menacing government agencies, sometimes there's a thing as being too secure, mm. especially when those security privileges are used for misguided means, which is something we learn about in this episode with a unique antagonist that I've honestly never heard of until now. Oh, really? This is your first experience of lockup? Okay, then obviously, um, Nerdhead, that is thine father, you. will educate thee, but this, it's a, I, I like this one a lot. Um, story by Paul Dini, script by Marty Eisenberg and Robert N. Skier, sounds like a yogurt, and directed by the wonderful Dan Reber. Yes, this is our first, um, Vision of Lockup, who again was created for the show, but has translated, but has translated into the oh, comics. And surprisingly enough, he made it to the comics before even Harley did. Well, that's interesting. I suppose a um, more unique character, and for the 90s, unfortunate is to say, a more male character would translate to the comics would have been easier back then. So I can see why he made it to the comics first, but uh, obviously, of course, Harley Quinn's gone on to become a legend in oh, her yeah. own right and oh, yeah. a character I like and find much more interesting. But still, there's something very interesting about this character. I mean, if I were writing comics in DC, I am taking your full, your full and best offer. Um, I would love to characterize this character in some sort of story about an abuse of security privileges and surveillance states and some sort of thing like that, because that is what the modern analog would be here in the 2020s. That kind of fear of vague menacing government agencies prying into our daily lives for security purposes is just an interesting story that I'm very aware of and something like that could be told and this is the perfect character for it. So as simple as he may be on the outside, he has a lot of depth to him. So I'm very interested to see what his uh, in-comic appearances have been like. Absolutely. I mean, that's definitely where they should take the character if they return. But in the comics, from my memory, he was brought into uh, the Robin series originally back in 1986 in Robin 24. But he then had a major prominent role where villains started disappearing at the end of story arcs. Okay. And all you saw was this dark figure um, nabbing them and apprehending them. And it turned out to be a lookup, which was a great surprise for me being, as you know, a mad lover of this animated series but he then had a massive run leading right up to detective comics 700 um like a five or six issue arc in detective comics robin and, and all the supplementary issues but he was more like and again this is another level where he really works like an anti-batman like let's be fair here mm. and we'll talk about this a bit in the episode he's a kook he's he's nuts he's definitely obsessed but he does make some valid points yeah there's always been somewhat of a running joke in the wider discussion about Batman's characterization that mm. Arkham, Arkham Asylum's like a like a day hotel or yeah. a revolving door sort of like B&B &B for supervillains. They go in, they do some rehab, they ignore it all, they break back out in a few months for Batman to apprehend them again and it becomes a vicious cycle and it has been that way probably since the character was created back in the 30s. Mm. So that's just something we know archetypically just off the bat so when we have a character who argues that a firm hand is needed to keep these prisoners in Arkham, to keep them behind bars where they're not going to do any damage, it's hard to argue, but I think taking 
I think Batman would have taken issue with the means. Yes, I think taking issue absolutely. with the fact that he is so aggressive, so heavy-handed, so very much in favor of denying them their rights, their privileges, their humanity, because I'm pretty sure those are war crimes, technically. Absolutely. Um, but then going further from that, uh, putting his brand of justice onto people that are guilty by association is even further of a lapse of judgment. So there are many reasons why Batman has to conflict with them, even though their message and their quest are very similar. Spot on. Absolutely. He does put across some very valid points. Yes, those villains seem to be arrested, locked up, escaped, arrested, locked up, escaped on an endless loop. But while he does make a valid point, he goes too far. Yes, you're right. This is worse than prisoners of war are treated. He tortures them. He takes away their privileges. And it's genius the way that Bruce, in full Bruce Wayne mode, yeah. outs him. Because well, what happens is, at the beginning of the episode, we see Batman and Robin apprehending Scarecrow, taking him back to the asylum, and Scarecrow's terrified of this guy. Yeah, which is not something you'd ever really no. expect. He brings the fear. He doesn't feel it himself. He studies it so that he doesn't feel afraid of anything anymore. But now he's afraid of this one imposing figure at the top of the stairs. So we know immediately that he's bad news, and so does Batman. But then he calls him out on it in Bruce Wayne, mm. in the daylight, because that makes total sense, to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. Batman could very easily like uh, watch through the skylights and through the big bay windows of Arkham Asylum, put some bugs down and listen for incidents and events. But there's still nothing to really go on. So going about this investigation by night isn't necessarily the right way to do it. Absolutely. So doing it during the day, during it with a proper legal channel is the way that makes the most sense so that you could actually find something to pin it down on. And we get the testimony of several uh, recognizable classic villains speaking out against this heavy-handed false lawman. Mm, absolutely. And and the fact that he's got all of them, Harley, Ventriloquist, Scarface, Scarecrow, so terrified of him that they won't speak up. It's only the genius line of Bruce saying, well, as he's doing such a good job, I recommend they extend his contract for another year and a half. But then they break, no, 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 you can't do that. You can't do that. And it's really, really clever. It's like the best piece of reverse psychology I've ever witnessed. Yeah, and it would take Batman to know that because he knows uh, his psychology well enough. He knows when people are avoiding yeah. and uh, refusing to talk about whatever they wanted to talk about. And there was lots of cases of, like avoidance and uh, hesitation from everyone that was speaking. So when it came down to that moment, he was like, okay, so if I make, I can put this little point of pressure here just to make them speak up. And sure enough, they did. Absolutely. I mean, I have to address, again, you all know how I feel about Paul Dini as a writer, but the script here is great as well because they've managed to do a brand new origin story which didn't feel clunky or rushed. There was character there. There was depth there. Even the classic, almost Silver Age, Lyle Bolton oh. name for Lockup is just amazing. <laughs> Um, Honestly, did not get that. You didn't get it. <laughs> it's wonderful. I mean, there's so many nods to the 40s Fleischer Superman cartoons and the close-up of his mad eyes. And the storytelling is sublime because you do not like this guy no. from the second you meet him. And it's I just think it's a really well-written, well-paced, well-put-together episode for an origin story. For an origin story, yes. I was 
when we got the opening scene of Batman seeing this imposing figure, hearing Scarecrow's pleas, and him thinking, I don't like the vibe this guy is giving yeah. off, I was expecting them to be a little bit more build-up before the moment that we got in that courtroom sort of deal. I thought there may have been some time with Batman sort of investigating and doing whatever he needed to do, but we got none of that. We got that straight into the inquest, mm -hmm. so we got to have our points proven that, yes, this guy is unstable and destructive. We didn't feel any need to rush, but it yeah. also doesn't pad unnecessarily. It gets mm -hmm. right into the action, and that's just it managing its time for what it is, 20 minutes Saturday morning television, but it does so in a way that doesn't feel disconcerting. I was expecting there's some to be there, but I also don't mind that it wasn't there, mm -hmm. which is a very hard thing to do. I like having the need for it, but then again, we still got that investigation side of Batman, but it wasn't done as Batman and it wasn't done as a figure of the night. It was still very clear, but handled in a way that we wouldn't expect, but it's just great, clever storytelling that could give us what we wanted without the way we were expecting. So, Roy, I mean, in a comic book where it comes out monthly, you've got the time for that slow burn to build the character's background, the history. In the comics, they made him ex-military, made him in a cop who went off the rails, and he built his, um, look up his literally prison himself for these villains as he was kidnapping them one by one for the ends of, of the various Batman titles. In a 25-minute episode, the fact that they've managed to you don't like him from day one. You see he's a big guy. He's bigger than Batman, arguably stronger, not as well trained, but he's a physical threat as well as a mental threat. But they also have that thing where he has that valid argument. He just goes about it far too gung-ho and far too vicious and violent away. But you've got a well-rounded character from the off. And like you said, it didn't need the extras. Would you like them possibly? But it also didn't feel rushed or shoehorned in. Which is a very hard thing to do because very. it very easily could have felt rushed. Yeah. It almost did, but it was still enough of an unpacking of the investigation of us trying to see how this guy is around the inmates. Because we could have got that vindication of this guy is suspicious just by seeing him sort of manhandling mm. all of the other inmates and just like tasering them when it was unnecessary, just like throwing them around when it wasn't necessary. But the fact that we don't see that honestly makes him more terrifying because we get to imagine what kind of torture he puts them through off screen which is always a, an effective trope of like horror and psychological thriller but it's amazing to get that kind of storytelling technique in saturday morning television yeah absolutely i mean obviously you, you write so yeah. you know but it's clever little lines of dialogue like bruce swain before the trial starts saying oh yeah he was brought in on the Wayne foundation because he's one of the foremost security experts in the country yeah a little line like that which is part of the dialogue introducing the character but it just makes sense because then yeah. you see him as methodical yeah. and as planning and as prep as Batman himself. The way he locks up Summer Gleason's car, the way he pulls the car in, locks Bruce Wayne in, makes a fake phone call. This guy is smart. Very, yeah, unexpectedly so because he has that knowledge of the technology. But he also has that knowledge of how a prisoner would think. He knows how to like contain a security threat he knows how to deter so certain people so that he can make the most efficient uh, solution to a problem possible it's very similar strategic thinking to batman which is another thing that leads to them being so similar but so different mm -hmm. I, I honestly wouldn't mind either after a few more years of being an antagonist 
for Bolton to calm down, have an experience where he realised, well, actually, maybe these guys can be rehabilitated, an experience with a criminal who does turn their life around, and for him to work with Batman. Because with him, a Blackgate-type place hmm. where they can lock up the most dangerous that aren't crazy, I mean, it's always going to be that insanity plea, and people like the Joker, whether they are or not, whether he's super sane or insane, they're not going to go to prison. But to have a secure place where some of these people can be looked up but looked after and hopefully rehabilitated would make for a fascinating story yeah if you follow the the arc of say someone like the riddler who started out as insane as mm. a question master but then became a private detective mm. or someone like the scarecrow who mm. was a master of like fear and torture and manipulation but ultimately went on went back to being a psychiatrist and a chemist or even harley quinn someone like that that kind of story could really tempt, tempt him and see him change his ways towards something a bit more positive I'm also very interested in seeing the exact opposite. Oh, yeah, totally. I'm very interested in seeing him being, like, very dogmatic, him committing to his morals, but also having very interesting tension with someone who believes in capital punishment, a.k.a. Peacemaker and the Suicide Squad. Oh, absolutely. Completely. That would make for fascinating storytelling. And also, possibly, let's not forget people like Russell Gull, who wanted to recruit Batman to help him cleanse the earth. Now, Bane's joined Russell Gull on occasion because he's beaten the bat and Russell Gull thought this might be someone who's equal to Batman. But if we've got an anti-Batman, mm. that could also be someone... I mean, could you imagine this guy with some League of Assassin training? I'm much more interested, as great as that sounds, yeah. I'm also much more interested in him putting his tactical and his technological acumen to oh, League of Assassins. With all of that, yeah. yeah to totally. League of Assassins methods. So this, this character seems so simple yeah. on the face of it. But when you start to unpack it, there is a lot that can be done with it. And it's a shame to me that I know so little because there's so much that can be done with this character. I'm mm. very interested to try and like see more and present some stories that I would like to tell. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you live in the right house for that, because obviously I've got all those stories where he appears in the comics, run up to Dexter 700, and you're also a very prominent figure in the legendary, massive No Man's Land arc. Ah, so, yeah. Um, yeah, the character does get used. Yeah. I can imagine him being quite quite important in No Man's Land, actually. Absolutely. Totally. So, oh, yeah, wealth of stories. So, yeah, if, if you want those, um, yeah, I own a couple of comics. Just, just a enough. few. Just, just a little. But I, I want to go back to something else you said. Oh, yeah? The, we don't see Batman investigating Lyle Bolton, but when Bolton disappears and the locks start appearing and prominent figures in Gotham start disappearing, we do see some great detective work, both from Batman and Robin. And again, it's a joy to see. It's a joy to see because it's still such an important side of Batman that we're really not expecting to see. From what I can gather about the upcoming The Batman movie starring our Lord and Battenson, Mm -hmm. uh, it seems like this is going to be a very focused detective story. Indeed. And that is something I hope that they do as well as they do in this show, because it's kind of uh, surprising to me that we're getting better Batman detective work from 20 minutes Saturday morning television yes. as opposed to hard hitting Hollywood movies. Indeed. But that's my own hot take. DC don't hate me. Um, I agree 100%. Yeah. So I s I'm just rewarded by seeing that. And yes, it's really great to see there's moments where they track track down his last known address very easily just seeing the quality of the technology being used and the overall tone and the physicality um, batman confirms who it is immediately then taking that back to the last known address being able to uh, cross-reference certain weird serial number clues mm -hmm. to a new potential hideout 
it's strong but simple and clean, efficient detective work that we should expect from Batman constantly, but it's something we just see so little outside of the comics. Absolutely. And this series does it better than just about anywhere else. And obviously, we talked about the deep stuff, the psychological stuff, the action stuff, the writing. But I have to let my nerd flag fly here. Oh, yeah. And I, I do have to mention the appearance. The bad boat! <laughs> Sorry. No, it's fine. It's fine. Because, again, um, I, I you'll remind me which story this is from. Just that moment of quick... Quick night when get in the car. Great, which one? And you see that massive yeah. double page spread of all of the Batman deals across time. Yeah. Just there in the in the back cave. Oh, is it harsh? It's one of those. Um, yeah, I love stuff like that. You that would, so yeah, neat. because um because the only other time we get that just quite as satisfying is in the Lego Batman movie. Yes. Where so Robin good. is Robin is running around being like, oh, the bat's at the bat space shuttle. <laughs> and the bat shark repellent? Oh no, you can touch that. I don't use that anymore. But just the scope of stuff, <coughs> the scope of stuff that Batman has access to is honestly still incredibly surprising. But we get to see something that fits the fact that, okay, it's going to be a nautical encounter. We should just get in the boat. Yeah. Right. And it's such a cool boat. It really is. Let's see if it's wonderful toys. Um, eBay, I think. Was it us? Yeah. That's where I get them. Wing Toys, Inc. McFarlane. No. <laughs> We're going too far. Uh, sidekick sold separately. Yes. <laughs> I mean, batteries not included. But um, yeah, this story, this villain, writing, directing. I mean, we sound like we're surprised. We shouldn't be anymore. How they managed to do it in these 20 minutes, well, it's still just a revelation every single week. It's the kind of like condensed but still satisfying storytelling that. Is I see a lot of like mainstream modern television fail to do. Yeah, because I, I sure you can look at the moments where Bruce Wayne shoehorns in the oh he's an he's an expert on security tech. You can see that as like spoon fed or shoehorny a bit, but that's still an indication of the target audience of this mm -hmm. Saturday morning television. But it's not incredibly out of place it feels like a drop of information that yeah. like would sound strange if it was just spoken about but it still makes sense in the wider context of what we're looking at and sure it does still fit and it helps us gain the further context we need whilst the rest of the action goes on and then it can percolate in our minds with the strong middle interlude sort of moment where we see the the time skips of Bolton just sort of like planning and thinking yeah. and finding himself until eventually he strikes again in the second half of the episode. T totally agree. I also think it gives onus to Bruce, to Batman, because he's the guy that brought this guy in. Yeah. So he feels a responsibility, and we all know that's what Bruce is about. Yeah. He, so he tries his yeah. utmost to, to to bring people to fairness and to justice, which is the exact opposite of what this guy does. He sees these. Crazies in Arkham Asylum as the downtrodden that really don't deserve respect. They just need to be locked up and muzzled so that they're not a danger to society anymore. He doesn't care about the redemption, which is why I think he would be really interesting alongside Peacemaker and the Suicide Squad. Mm -hmm. But I also think he would have a lot of exceptions to the extremity of their measures. Yeah. But then again, that tension would make for such interesting stories. Oh, completely. Yeah. Completely. Um, well said. I have to say that. You put it brilliantly at the beginning. For someone who could be so incredibly two-dimensional in the wrong hands, 
very well handled and so many layers to strip back with this character. But again, would you agree that it is helped by yet another fantastic voice casting performance? The quality of the voice acting was still very strong here because we got that rough intonation of someone who's physically imposing, mm. uh, very much a chip on their shoulder, believing in their dogmatic, narrow view of the world. But also there's still that hint of intelligence and determination there so that we can still believe that even though he is this visually just like this meathead who wants to beat down mm -hmm. um, the criminally insane, he still goes about it with that intention of yeah. doing what he has to do because he believes in it that much. So it's a very strong performance. Absolutely. And great writing. Because if you think that, yes, we would agree sometimes about how these villains seem to have too much of a free reign and they escape at the drop of a hat, where he loses it for the audience and for Batman is in his treatment of Commissioner Gordon, yeah. Summer Gleason, and the mayor, where they're too weak in his eyes. And that's where you get that brilliant piece of storytelling. Yeah, and his initial moment of believing that Batman would be on his side and then just switching, saying, if you're not part of the solution, you're part of the yeah. problem, just shows how like determined and like brainwashed in his own ideals he is, which yeah. is the tragedy of the nature but still a very true to form batman villain thing they all tend to believe in themselves so much that the rest of the world doesn't exist and suffers for it yeah and do you not see i mean even though this was like 94 now um decades ago but this with the recent american government with the way the world is today does still resonate quite deeply because the whole thing about all liberal journalism and all that stuff, we're still seeing it in social media every day where militant people and extremely right-wing people are still having that reaction against the world in general. Yeah, that agreement that political correctness has gone too far, mm. that yeah. certain people need to just toughen up and mm. we don't need to like care for how people are represented, how they're feeling and fairness and being, being respectful with how people are treated online uh, or in wider journalism i agree it's something that we still get a lot of and it bothers me mm. still which is why i think if this character were going to be reimagined today he could very well be like those those douchebags on twitter who just like attack people for having like yeah. pronouns in their bio yeah. but then taken to the extreme yeah as well as using like the methods that like the fbi and the nsa just have that they mm. have backdoor access to every device and can turn them on whenever they want because it's a secure thing to do exactly guilty by association if you have nothing to hide you have nothing to fear that kind of yeah. logic that kind of dogma is exactly what this character embodies and it's stuff that terrifies me personally yeah but could make for such interesting stories because again batman's not been above using those kinds of methods to get those kinds of well, those kinds of results one thinks of uh, the surveillance echolocation tech from mm -hmm. the dark Knight movie Spying on 30 million people is not part of my job description, but mm -hmm. a lockup wouldn't have a problem with that because if it can help yeah. them bring these crazies back behind bars, mm -hmm. okay. And then eventually he can keep using that, keep a, keep an eye on people to see that if anyone starts to get crazy, they can be taken out before they're a threat. Yes. And when people start attacking things before they're a problem, mm -hmm. then you get into like actual scary, you get actual scary fascism, which yeah. is what we've grown past as a society, almost probably looking at certain things in the news right now. But that is the kind of antagonism that this character could embody, and yes. I'll be very excited to see done or tray myself. And all of that 
from a Batman cartoon. Yes, it's amazing that a uh, 30-year-old, um, well, near 30-year-old, Saturday morning cartoon television can still inspire that kind of resonance and thought and still be relevant today so many years on. Yeah. How little things change. And yet superbly entertaining at the same time, not hammering the message into your head. Listen to this. That's exactly. the block tough balance. That's the a very tough balance, but I think something that this show does consistently. Yeah, totally. So let's talk about Bruce Wrights, who plays Lockup. Once again, a veteran of stage and screen. I mean, let's let's talk about this guy. Roles as varied as appearances in X-Files, ER, Dexter, um, Deep Impact, Highlander the series, um, Nerd Cred Gone Wild for that one. And he also played Intergang's Bruno Ugly Mannheim, leader of Intergang, who uh, plagued Superman in Superman the Animated Series and in the comics for years and years and oh, years. Wow. So he's gone from this to Superman the Animated Series. But mostly for fans, particularly in the U.S., there was a hugely popular and still one of the greatest cop shows of all time. There wasn't just procedural cop shows about the lives and the families of these cops called Hill Street Blues. He was the legendary Belker for seven seasons wow. of that series. So again, a veteran actor of stage, screen and voice. Well, again, you need that kind of gravitas and that kind of range to be able to give off the like stern-sounding, physically imposing form but also still that sharp intelligence and determination that this character brings. So yeah, inspired casting and masterfully delivered. Couldn't agree. Right, so we come once again to that part of the episode where, Adam, yeah. please tell me, what were the parts that really stood out for you, good, bad, or ugly? I, I was very interested visually in the character of Lockup themselves, because when we first see them, we just see the black plain balaclava mm. but then from the episode they're on we still see his mouth moving under it which is just a great sort of visual detail but i also wanted to unpack something that our dear friendly neighborhood robin said mm -hmm. he said oh wow another villain made possible by the wayne foundation mm -hmm. the we were talking about how similar batman and lockup are in terms of their beliefs and their quests mm. but their means are what divert them and what put them on the opposite side of good and evil if you want to believe in something like that it's interesting that we get another drip of that ongoing discourse in Batman's character culture, mm. that Batman is partly responsible for creating or at least accelerating the means and the dark actions of a lot of the villains he fights against. So that moment is just another little drip of, drip of evidence for that argument, which is just something that you wouldn't expect the show or any bit of Batman media to openly call itself out on. Mm -hmm. Because, again, another big part of that Batman sort of discussion about he exacerbates and creates his own villains is the fact that Arkham's a revolving door, yeah. which is another thing that's addressed very heavily in this episode. So if you wanted to unpack it on like a characterization surface level reading of Batman and canon, it's very interesting that we get that overt call-out of that part of Batman's story, but still just quiet enough that we can walk past it and continue mm -hmm. on with the wider narrative. But it does resonate. Yes, it really does. And it leaves a lot of things to think about while still letting the rest of the action of the episode play out. Well said. Very well said. Um, my takeaway, again, it does involve Mr. Grayson. But to me, it's a different part of it where... Is it just me? Or have the team of the Dynamic Duo evolved so much since this series started where they go out together on this case. They go out to save Gordon, the mayor, and Summer. But 
no orders are given, no directions are given. Batman goes after lockup. Robin goes after the the uh, captured uh, victims, and they work perfectly seamlessly as a team, even though they're doing two completely different things. And when they are joined together at the end, Robin's care for his mentor, for his his adopted father, is evident that even though you do start to see cracks appearing in the relationship, you do think that deep down in the end, this is a relationship that is unbreakable and will go on forever, as we've seen over the last 80-plus years in the comics. That's exactly what we would get in the 80-plus comics years of comics anyway. They want to become independent of each other. Mm -hmm. right? Uh, Batman needs to like diversify so that the, he can handle the growing number of threats to Gotham City, and uh, Dick Grayson needs to grow up and become his own man, lead his own team, become his own entity in his own city. But that, as long as there's like no bad blood and no like differences of morals... They're still going to be on the same side. There's still going to be a lot of love and care there. So, yeah, they would still be on each other's sides, even mm. when things are seeming tense between them. So it's a wonderful bit of consistency in their characterization. Yeah. And for me, obviously you know that this whole universe, this whole family of characters is my jam, but I felt in this episode something that I've believed for years, but this really underlined it, that Dick Grayson, Robin, Nightwing, whichever iteration of the character you want to look at, Yes, a lot of it is down to Bruce's training, but for me, just as much, if not more, is Dick's inherent goodness, his inherent natural heroism, and his natural instincts to do what's right regardless. He is definitely not just Batman's protege, Batman's psychic, or the hero Batman created. There's just as much that's come from within him, and that's so evident in this episode for me. Ultimately, I think that's what Batman does for all of the people that he invites into the cave and into the Batgat family, even characters to the extent of like Alfred's and New Gordon's mm -hmm. and your, like the people he works with. Even Harvey Bullock, who started out as someone who deeply mistrusts him and yeah. still calls him out on it, but is still a very competent crime fighter in his own right. Because in this episode, we see him just be like, oh, look, another costumed crazy. This is going to be good. But he still uh, lights follows the bat signal. lights the bat signal and follows Batman's advice to put extra security at the mayor's house. That's something that Batman does. He just he doesn't turn people into heroes. He nurtures the heroism in there already. Oh, that's beautiful. I like that. I might have to steal that. Yeah, feel free. I'm I'm you heard it here first, though, kids. Love it. That's great. Wait, what a way to end it. That's a mic drop moment. Good yeah, job. Love it. Don't actually drop the mic though. That really this is expensive. Not this mic. It's a very expensive mic. It, mics it mics are generally very expensive and very delicate. So when you hit when you see someone on stage tapping the mic to make sure that it's working, you're you're Kick they them. are they are damaging it and you're hurting the ears of everybody around it. Don't do that. But like resounding good message moment. Yes. Yes. No doubt. Absolutely. Right. So that is lock up. Episode 16 of season two of Batman the Animated Series, another winner. Um, speaking of winners, Adam Ray, inform Gothamites where they can hear your winning works and read your winning articles. I have much content scattered about the interwebs for your reading, listening, and viewing pleasures. For Batman flavored things, turn no further than Dark Knight News, where I review multiple titles a month. Both Catwoman and Suicide Squad are in excellent spots right now. But for my one true love, PC and tabletop gaming, you can look no further than our Pride and Joy, FantasticUniverses.com, where I put my own opinions about uh, collectible card games, online battle royals, and gacha mo mobile gaming, wherever I can spare the moments. Turn to the Apotheosis Studios blog, where I write many blogs a month about Dungeons & Dragons to level up your TTRPG experience. And turn to RuneterraCCG.com for news and deck guides about the League of Legends card game. Follow me on Twitter at IsItTinkerer. And 
to view my work, turn to twitch.tv forward slash it is taken up for my very infrequent card gaming live streams. The hostile atmosphere on YouTube for my PC Let's Plays and No Ordinary Heroes on YouTube for my Dungeons and Dragons Let's Plays. I have a lot of content. And if you're into that kind of content, do check it out because it is PD cool. Right, as for myself, just type Steve J. Ray or Fantastic Universes into your search engine of choice for my news, reviews, features, and interviews across Fantastic Universes, DC Comics News, Dark Knight News, and CBR. As for this show, it's one of many on the DC Comics News Network. So check those out on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can catch DC Comics News, Dark Knight News, Fantastic Universes across Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, YouTube, and wherever else you get your nerdy goodness. Speaking of nerdy goodness, I offer lots of words of wisdom and insanity on Twitter at lstevo, E-L underscore S-T-E-E-V-O. But until you do things like that, what you need to know is that Adam Ray is the knight. I am the night. Together, we are the night. And this has been the I Am the Night podcast. Thank you for listening. And until next time, read more comics and watch more. Batman!